Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, you know what one thing I'm going to do today is, and I'm going to start this off with one, I don't have the backstory. I know nothing about this. I only know the couple words I heard. Okay. Lawyer podcast that I was like half listening to when I was cleaning the kitchen last night, but they were, they made like this brief talk about how somebody somewhere is on death row. Okay. Uh And he, it's his day to be executed. But I guess the state, wherever this is, this is how much I know I caught was having trouble getting the concoction to do the execution because I guess are not, you know, wanting to be a part of this. And so he got like, he got two options. I don't know what the second option was, but the first option they said was that they actually told him that his option was a firing squad. That's all I know, but I got it too. He picked firing squad, but they, I think that um, they, they put it on hold for a second or something like that. Yeah, he Where picked firing that? squad. <laughs> I don't know. I saw the article the, uh, the other day because, you know, I'm always trolling through the news. Yeah. Well, I don't, and, I, and I remember just, you know, catching, like, you know, obviously only caught a very little of this conversation from, from the YouTube channel, but they said that there was more than one state that had that option. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up because okay, it's been like South I'm Carolina. A... Oh, South Carolina. Oh, of course. Yeah. I can see that. Right now the court has it blocked. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know why, but it just says South Carolina court blocks plan execution by firing squad. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of like, you know, Hang. They used to hang people. So do we, we got to stay out? I think we, yeah. We still oh, yeah, country, gonna... In Japan, they have a whole setup for hanging you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. In Michigan, we don't do that. We don't kill anybody. We don't. We don't do that. We just put you in jail forever. We don't have the death penalty here. I mean, if you commit a federal crime while in the state, you're fucked. But if as long as you only break a state crime, you're fine. I mean, state law, you're fine. Sometimes I'm listening to you know, these, I listen to a lot of lawyer YouTube channels. Okay. I find them uh, fascinating. Plus, because you get the, I just feel like, okay, they explain the law, you know, Uh and then all these news articles. And I still think after all these years, we've been doing this, that things like this come up that just absolutely amaze me. Like, I didn't even realize. I didn't know we still had that. Right. So anyways, that is one of the things I'll be doing today. Well, why don't you go ahead and start? And I'll do the, I'm going to do the Ballarat Bandit one, which does end in a death and a little bit of sadness. But I hope I do it justice. I can't explain how jacked up people were trying to find this guy. And he eluded people for so very long. And they're like, you know, he could be this guy. He could be that guy. But we actually now know who he really is. He's not a terrorist. (laughs) He's a Canadian. Well, (laughs) so 
I'm going to investigate that whole firing squad thing, but today I'm going to talk about boyfriends that kill. Okay, tell me. So, this is for the death of Rory Teasley, T-E-A-S-L-E-Y. Okay, sounds about right. So, let's just jump right in Okay. to this with the reason. So, okay. I don't, I cannot pronounce, and I looked, and I tried to get Google to tell me how to pronounce this person's name, so I'm just going to spell it, and it's D-O-C-Q-U-E-N. Decline? 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 Yeah, I'm not sure, so I'm just going to, there we go, and we're going to call him Watkins. That's his last name. Okay. He was age 31, and he decided to allegedly, because this is an active case, allegedly, Okay. Kill his boyfriend in their Pontiac apartment. MLive.com news article title says he killed his boyfriend over a video game argument. What? Yeah. So a bit of background. He allegedly killed 28-year-old Rory. They had been in a relationship for 10 years. And in a Detroit news article, it was said Rory was an online influencer with a YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok account. He was popular with over 200,000 followers. His popularity actually came, um, to my understanding from this news article from TikTok, was his, like, dancing videos. Okay. So on January 6th, 2022... Police were called to their apartment where they found Rory unconscious and not breathing. He was taken to the hospital, but sadly was pronounced dead. Now, you don't get much about, you know, the story. This is an active case. So these are short news articles. And, but I did get that it was Watkins who called the police and himself okay no 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 did oh. not no 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 <laughs> they can't be that easy he called the police reason why he called there's nothing like that you know when we look up cases usually we you know what they said on 911 call and all that you don't got nothing i mean i scoured so it's that all i know based on the the m live in detroit news is that It seems that Watkins called, and when the police came, he said that they had gotten into a fight, and Rory was on the couch sleeping. But when police went to Rory, he wasn't sleeping. Right. Not that kind of sleeping. Yeah, right. You know, he was, yeah, he wasn't breathing or anything. So police believe they were playing video games, got into an argument, and Mr. Watkins choked Rory to death. Depending on the news articles you read, he is either facing second-degree murder or second-degree homicide and is facing life in prison. Oh, my God. The sheriff, oh, Bouchard, see, it takes me a minute, told NBC News. They see far too often lately 
where people resort to violence over insignificant or trivial disagreements. Yeah. So well, I know that, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, um, of course, two dudes would kill each other over a video game. Oh. <laughs> I mean, wow. I thought, man, you we were together for 10 years and you kill them over a video game. Right. Jesus. And Something so else was going on, man. <laughs> right. So I couldn't find anything else on the situation. You know, he was arraigned, you know, sure. You know, I think around the 14th or something, 14th yeah. of January. But, like, nothing else, which I would, I've, you know, I'm on this kick of boyfriends who kill in Michigan. And so I have another case where, you know, it seemed to go faster. So I don't know what's going on with that. I mean, okay. they all, I would have expected to see something else, but I see nothing. Oh, wow. Maybe it's, it oh, is yeah. the same news story on seven pages of Google searching. Wow. <laughs> so I have no idea, but I have to keep, I have to keep watching this. And I am not a, you know, I'm on YouTube. I watch YouTube a lot, but you know, I'm not on TikTok or anything. I'm assuming I'll be able to find updates on his. I mean, I would assume people will be updating since he was an influencer. Yeah. I'm like, I'll keep an eye out and let you know. Yeah, so, but yeah, so there you have it. All right. I want to tell you about the Ballarat Bandit. And I got my stuff from, yeah, Wikipedia, the November Coalition, YankeeBarbarino.com, and this Jason Kirsten article called Bandit of Ballarat. Okay. So George Robert Johnson, who is known by the name of Robbie, was born on Prince Edward Island, a remote area in Canada in 1954. So Robbie worked as a drywaller and a painter for about 25 years. Robbie had married Tommy, and the two had four daughters together. Tommy had been diagnosed with leukemia in the late 1990s and was traveling from the island to, Maine, Canada, to the mainland of Canada for treatment. And in the fall of 1997, when Robbie was 43 years old, a neighboring farmer had a pig break away from his farm. And while chasing it down, the neighbor came onto Robert, Robbie's property where he found marijuana plants growing. So Robbie was selling marijuana for income and Tommy was using it medically to help with the side effects of her leukemia treatment. And the neighbor called the police on the Johnson family. I just want to say side note, medical marijuana would become legal in Canada on July 30th, 2001. So just a few years later. And by October 17th, 2018, it became legal for recreational use. So because marijuana is not legal at this time, though, Robbie's plants were found, and the government questioned whether Tommy and Robbie were fit to raise their children. Tommy was labeled as a drug user, and Robbie was considered a dealer. And they were able to keep custody of their children when Tommy's charges were dropped against her. Robbie received an eight-year sentence, but only served a year and a half before being paroled. Now, as soon as Robbie was incarcerated, he suffered a mental health breakdown that he hadn't been able to recover from. And his wife, Tommy, felt that Robbie's mental health issues had been either caused by or intensified by the medicine that was given to him by prison officials. And after his release, Robbie wasn't able to provide financially for his family anymore and help take care of his children because he's having these psychological issues, but not enough to where that he was unaware that he's having mental health issues. Do you know what I mean? Like he's aware that he's struggling mentally. And in 2000, he told his family he's going to travel to the United States to see if a faith healer could help him. So Robbie was first spotted in California 
by some people who were jeeping in a secluded canyon in Death Valley in August of 2003. And I looked up jeeping. <laughs> Do you know what jeeping is? No, that's what I was about to ask you. Like, what is that? Okay, so it's when you drive your Jeep and four wheel over rough terrain like sand dunes, boulders, and waterways. Like that's your that's what you're doing. Oh, you're jeeping. You're jeeping. Yeah. Jeeping. I want to be jeeping. Yeah. So yeah, you could be jeeping if you want. You got to get a Jeep though. Then then you're jeeping. <laughs> <laughs> so the people who were jeeping were worried about the ragged looking man that they saw because they were so far away from any city. And Death Valley in the summer is deadly. And they're like, oh, this poor man's out there. So they go and tell authorities. Officers from the Bureau of Land Management do come out to the area, but they're unable to find the man or he has the black Labrador dog that he has with him because they say he's got this black Labrador. So soon Robbie, who's now 49 years old, became the unknown person who began stealing um, items Sometimes, um, you know, different things that you need to survive in the wilderness. He was given the nickname the Ballarat Bandit as some of his first territory where he was stealing included the area around Ballarat, California. And Robbie would take items from different locations in a very large section of land that was mostly wilderness, but sometimes it did edge military bases, right? So he's, in, he's literally traveling for miles and miles. His area is huge. And sometimes he is along the edge of a military base, which is what got everybody all jacked up. So he spends time in Death Valley, and he's at the peak of Nevada mountains, like way up there in the cold. Robbie would also hide his weapons because he would sometimes take weapons, people's guns if he found them, and other goods from one area and place them in very campsites that he created or he borrowed from other people. So he's like basically moving stuff around to make it easier for himself. He would spend time in Death Valley, Ballarat, the peak of, oh yeah, I did that one. So I want to make clear that his only crime was theft. He did steal weapons. He stole survival items, clothing, food, gasoline. He did one time steal an ATV. That is all theft. So I, I, it's big theft. I'm not saying it's little theft, but he, he didn't do anything. But mm -hmm. it, in just one month alone, he broke into about 30 different remote cabins and campsites and relieved them of their goods. So he is major stealing. Wow. And he's quit. Yeah. But he never harmed or even contacted another person. So at no point did he talk to another person. In the end, Police believed he had committed over 100 rob robberies, and the Bureau of Land Management and other authorities kept saying that Robbie was often camping near military bases, and they find this, you know, behavior suspect, say he's a terrorist, and I remember them, um, yeah, basically the terrorist was the biggest thing. So while being pursued, Robbie was able to set traps for the men tracking them, tracking him. So it's thought that Robbie, the Ballarat Bandit, might have military training or that he was militia trained because he's setting these traps. Mm -hmm. And he had eluded the land authority so well, they're like, oh, he has to have elite training from someone. And it goes for almost a full year of them chasing him and him eluding them. Police were called about stolen items and a ragged looking man wandering in the wilderness for 11 months. And he, he doesn't get caught. So people start talking to him like he's Rambo, right? He keeps moving. <laughs> He's always eluding the police. He's, said, he's cited by a local citizen. By the time the authorities get there, he's gone. So this guy named Jack Kearson, I'm going to quote you this article that he wrote about Robbie. As tales of his exploits mounted, he became a folk hero, an outlaw trickster in the tradition of the Old West. And I was like, yeah, people are making him out to be like, you know, like a demigod. So it was told that once in a 30-man posse of law officials, they raided a camp that he was staying in. They arrived on ATVs in trucks with a Black Hawk helicopter oh, loaded what? with the SWAT team inside. All for this one guy. 
And despite <laughs> that overwhelming presence of the law, the bandit was able to escape. Police once oh. engaged him in a foot chase. And although they were able to come within 50 feet of him, he was able to outdistance them with his running stamina. Like he Damn. just outran them. <laughs> yeah. So Robbie said to have run up and then down a mountain without stopping during that foot race where he outran them. So like he ran up the mountain. Holy down shit. The mountain. <laughs> yeah. So in another instance, police claim that Robbie was trekking 60 miles through snowy hills and mountains in Nevada, evading pursuing officers during the entire journey. But July 25th, 25th 2004, Robbie knew that the police were closing in and he believed that he would not be able to mentally survive another stint in jail. So he shot himself in the head with a single shot rifle and the police were close enough to Robbie to hear the shot that he used to kill himself. So they were able to get to his body, you know, right away. He had a distinctive tattoo that authorities thought, okay, this is going to help us identify this guy, right? Because he doesn't have anything else on him. The coroner was able to take impressions of his dental work. They take DNA samples and, you know, clean fingerprints. Robbie's fingerprints went through APHIS, which is the um, Integrated Automated Fingerprint Identification System, which is the repository for U.S. police to send prints to, but there's no match. Robbie then became known as John Doe 39-04. His body was buried in a potter's field where they continued to look for his identity. So nearly two years after his death, the coroner worked on Robbie David Van Norman, which is corner, he was still looking for his identity. He, he doesn't give up. He emails, uh, he emailed a post-mortem picture of Robbie's face and tattoo to other officers in an attempt to see if anybody recognized him. Okay. In response to his email, a, you know, because he's like basically fishing at this point, a single anonymous email arrived in his inbox with only the words, quote, who talks like an American, but isn't one. Try Canada, end quote. Now, previously, David had sent a copy of Robbie's fingerprints to Canada via Interpol, but he didn't receive any hits. So, but after he receives this email, he tries to send the fingerprints again, this time to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Four <laughs> months later, the RCMP calls back to say they found a match to the prints to George Robert Johnston. So David calls Robbie's mom to notify her of her son's passing. Check this shit out. Are you ready? For whatever reason she had, Robbie's mom does not tell Tommy or her four daughters about his death. The five of them heard about his time as a fugitive and his demise through the internet. So, yeah, fuck yeah. Her mom, the mom never called to tell the daughters, her granddaughters, or, you know, the mother of the granddaughters what happened. Catherine, Robbie and Tommy's daughter, who was 16 at the time, was online when she saw an article with a picture of her father's face post-mortem. So she showed the article to her mom and that's when they found out about the Ballarat bandit and Robbie's death. Isn't that not horrifying? So the different officers that chased Robbie did show like a little bit of remorse in their endless pursuit after finding out that the Ballarat bandit was a Canadian man with mental health issues instead of a terrorist trying to sabotage the US military. They were like, yeah. oh, we didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. I but I thought the grandma was bullshit. Yeah, like what? Yeah, I'd be like, what are your reasons you didn't? Why would you not? Yeah, why would you not? Yeah. Like, what an asshole grandma. You're a terrible grandma. Yeah. Yeah, like she didn't want him to know that he was 
They let her granddaughter found out by seeing a picture of her father's dead face on the internet. Yeah. That's yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's horrifying. Wow. But that guy was good. He was good. I mean, they really, Damn. they really couldn't get to him. In the end, he offed himself. He didn't give, you know, he didn't give up. I mean, he didn't um, get caught. Wow. That's yeah. a good, that's a good story. I mean, sad that he killed himself, but. Yeah. But the twist. But, and the turns. Yes, the twists and the turns. And man, those cops had to feel stupid. I know. Like you're really? coming in 130 deep and you can't, you, you can't catch one guy. Yeah, I'm talking about the only reason why he's evading us is he has elite training. Like, no, he's not. He's Robbie from Canada. <laughs> and that would make it so much worse. Like, yeah, when you find that out, like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Just a regular guy, eh? Felt stupid before, <laughs> but now I really feel stupid. Right? <laughs> uh, all right, Jen, I'll talk to you later. I think the next time I'm going to tell you about these two cold cases that were solved. I think I'm going to continue my boyfriends and murder. Oh, sweet. Oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to do my cold cases and I'm going to look for murders who were murdered. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later. Good. All right, bye. All right, bye.